This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to episode number 75 of Brewers on Tap. I'm Lane Grindle. It's good to have you with us for another edition of the show. It's our final edition before the season begins because opening day is just a couple of days away. Uh, some of the news and notes from this past week at camp in Maryvale. Left-handed pitcher Brent Suter optioned to the minors. Uh, Brent was definitely in the mix to potentially make this team as a bullpen guy. Uh, And it means only one left-hander left in camp as we talk right now, and that's left-hander Tommy Malone on the mound. So the Brewers not going to have a lot of left-handed options for that bullpen in 2017 unless they go find somebody before opening day or even after the season begins. Also, Zach Davies announced as the number two starter. So we know Junior Gare is going to get the ball on April 3rd, and then Zach Davies is going to get the ball on April 4th as of this recording. We don't know who's going to be the three, four, or five starters yet. You can kind of look and see where guys are slotted in terms of when they're going to pitch in the exhibition season leading up to opening day, but nothing has been made official in that regard. The biggest news, though, from the week, Scooter Jeanette claimed off waivers by the Reds. The Brewers had designated him for assignment. He did have an option left, but the Brewers knew that he wasn't really going to have a role in the big league club, and it might not change any time in the immediate future. And so tried to, you know, get him through waivers potentially, and the Reds end up claiming him. So Scooter Jeanette's now a Cincinnati Red, and in light of that, we also learn that Jesus Aguilar is on the 25-man roster. This guy has slugged his way with just an amazing spring, hitting over 450, six home runs, another big one on Tuesday, and he's earned that job as the backup first baseman. But the Brewers are going to be creative and try to find ways to get him a little bit more regularly in the lineup if they can, whether it means moving Eric Thames into the outfield on occasion to make space for Aguilar in the lineup, uh, we shall see. Rene Garcia, backup catcher, Yvonne DeJesus, junior utility guy, and Eric Sogard, utility guy, have all been informed that they're not going to make the 25-man roster. So the 25-man, as it looks at this precise moment, will likely feature 12 position players and 13 pitchers. That is unless, of course... Uh, something happens in the final days unless the Brewers go make a move in the final days, and that certainly could happen. This is the time when all the teams are are looking for those finishing touches to the 25-man. So a deal could be made. We will have to see what happens over the next few days. All right, we're going to brew up the past as we've been doing all year long. We're going to continue to look at the 1982 club that won the AL. And today we talk with Gumby. Jim Gantner, Brewers second baseman. The pitch to Cooper. Face hit, on the field liner. One run home. Downing throw coming on. Get 
Now let's brew up the past. When Harvey was elevated to manager, you know, why was that such a good fit for all of you guys? I guess, you know, uh, we had Buck there. He's really a good baseball man, but uh, I think he had a little trouble. You know, we had a veteran team, and I think he was trying to overcoach us a little bit too much. A lot of the veterans got a little upset with him, and uh, so the chemistry as far as the team goes was not there. And uh, then they bring in Harvey Keene, who's a player's manager, and uh, he came in the first day and said, you know, we're, this is the only meeting I'm going to have, and said, you know, you guys, I'm going to make the lineup out, and all I expect you guys to do is go out and play hard and uh, do what you can do, and uh, don't worry about one thing but have fun. You guys played a lot of flip. Uh, that gets talked about a lot, how you guys would be out before games playing flip together. How did that kind of bond you guys together? Well, you know, we'd be in a clubhouse, and then, you know, before a game, everybody was out on the field playing flip, and, uh, you know, nobody was sitting around in a clubhouse. So before games, it helped us get loose until we had some injuries, and they cut it off. But, uh, you know, everybody came out, pitchers, fueling guys, and uh, playing flip kept us together, kept us on each other, and uh, we had a lot of fun with it and got us loose. And like I said, we did it as a team and uh, had a lot of fun with it. And our team was, you know, have fun, but then when we got between the lines, play hard. Season came down to that final game uh, in Baltimore, and Robin had the big day, obviously. But what was it like the night before that game, knowing that this whole season and all these games comes down to this? You know, it's really hard. We had, you know, that... Friday, then the doubleheader on Saturday and losing three in a row, you know, but uh, we said, heck, we're going to win one of these games, and, uh, you know, it's hard to sleep that night, and uh, we we're so anxious to get started and next day, and uh, but uh, that was one of the most loudest games I ever played in, you know, when we took batting practice in infield, uh, I mean, the stands were already full, you know, with Baltimore fans, and it was so loud, and they were yelling and booing us when we took the field, and uh, it was incredible, and the win the way we did, and, uh, you know, Robin having the big day, and part of it that was missed is Ben Ugly made one heck of a catch. There wasn't much room in left field there, and did a diving catch, and it would have been a fair ball, and that kind of, you know, kept us going. You know, Benji was an all-star that year, but it seems like sometimes he gets overlooked when people talk about that season, at least to me. Everybody talks, to, you know, about Robin's big day on the final day and, of course, uh, Cecil's big hit, and you were on base for that one, and, and, and to go get Don Sutton in the trade. But um, Benji was quite a player, and the injury to him in the ALCS and overcoming that was a big thing for you guys. Oh, yeah, you know, it's Benji was produced all year and a great player and better defender than anybody ever thought he was. And we knew he was a great defender, and... Uh, but he had that uh, label that he wasn't that good, but uh, he proved it that day in Baltimore, and uh, he had an incredible year, you know, drove in a lot of runs, big hits for us, and uh, just a great guy and a great competitor, and like I said, he was hurt, but he kept, continued to play. The the moniker of Harvey's Wallbangers, I mean, obviously you guys wore that with pride. Was that a fun thing to, to walk around and, and know that people refer to you guys as that? Yeah, you know, not me, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. our big sluggers, but, yeah, Harvey's Wallbangers. I mean, we had a great power team, and we had guys that got hit with average, and uh, guys that got on base. We could steal bases if we wanted to, and, uh, I mean, we were a team that had everything, and uh, good pitching and good defense, and uh, a lot of power and a lot of batting averages and uh, clutch hitters, and we had everything that year. Cooper's hit in the ALCS. You were on base for it, and so you got a, you had a pretty cool vantage point of it. How many times have you relived that moment? Well, it's pretty exciting, you know, and uh, just uh, I can remember taking off from second base and Charlie Moore was on third base and, you know, I looked over and I seen Cooper, you know, putting his hands down, you know, get down, get down, get down. And, uh, you know, I wasn't even if he stopped me at third base, I wasn't going to stop. You know, I was so fired up and then sliding home and then Charlie Moore jumping on me and uh, 
I told him, hey, we got to play, you know, get six more outs, so don't get too excited. And uh, But that was a, probably the biggest hit in uh, Milwaukee Brewer history. Vuki, one of the really unique guys in the game, clearly. Um, how did he set the tone on days that he took the mound? Oh, Vuki, when he took the mound, you couldn't talk to him. You know, he'd come into clubhouse and... Uh, like I said, he was all business. You couldn't even look at him, and uh, he just came in his locker room and uh, didn't say a word to anybody and uh, was focusing on the game. And uh, then when he got on the mound, he was a very, very mean pitcher and uh, didn't take nothing from anybody. And uh, he had a unique way of pitching, but uh, he was one of the best competitors I ever saw take the mound. And, uh, you know, then we had Gorman Thomas, too, the same kind of guy, you know, kind of a you know character-looking fella. And uh, But he was another guy that played hard would run through a wall for you to catch a ball and we just had that type of team last question uh, larry heisel gets hurt only plays in like a handful of games that year um and then of course raleigh had the injury at the end uh, how did you guys try to keep those guys involved during the playoff run even though you know they both were dealing with the injuries oh it was hard but they'd come into clubhouse and that you know we'd treat them just like they were on a team yet and uh you know it was tough on them and uh you know, Larry Heiser, if he could have stayed healthy, I mean, he was one of the best peer hitters I ever saw in the game, and uh, great, great guy, and uh, real quiet, but uh, a producer, and uh, he didn't say much, but he did all his talking with the bat, and, uh, you know, Raleigh Fingers was incredible, I mean, that guy was, you know, I used to saw him on TV before that, but to see him in person, is I never saw a reliever that good. Gumby's one of the most prominent Brewers alums, and it was good to have him around camp this past week at Maryvale as well. Let's crunch some numbers. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. All right, this week on Sabermetrics 101, we're going to look at exit velocity and Keon Broxton and Domingo Santana. We've talked about this before in the past. I know we talked about Keon Broxton and the noise that he was making with exit velocity and how hard he was hitting the baseball at the end of last season. If you go back and look at 2016, both Keon Broxton and Domingo Santana were top 20 in the MLB in average exit velocity. Broxton was 7th with a 94.9 miles per hour average exit velo. Santana was 16th with a 94 mile per hour exit velo. MLB has started to measure a new statistic called barreled ball in which the hitter essentially squares up the baseball, and both performed very well in that statistic also, which is predictable when you look at the first statistic. So keep in mind with both that they've only played, they played in less than 80 games apiece last year. Um, In the case of Domingo Santana, he's only played in 124 at the big league level in his career, and in the case of Keon Broxton, around 80 games. So the sample size is a bit smaller, however, There's plenty of reasons to be optimistic about both if their campaigns can be healthy ones in 2017. For both, strikeout numbers will hopefully come down as they settle in a bit more in their careers. Traditionally, if you look at major league hitters as they get further into their careers, that strikeout percentage goes down. They start to swing the bat a little bit less because they understand the strike zone and how to control it a little bit more, and they understand what's a strike for them a little bit more. So that should continue to get better as they get older and get more at-bats. And uh, that's exciting because these guys are hitting the ball hard when they're hitting the ball. So hopefully those numbers come down. Broxton has just 246 at-bats in the majors. More evidence of how hard he hit the ball, his batting average ball in play was 373, 
while Santana's last year was 345. Both very good numbers. Just for comparison's sake, Mike Trout's BABIP last year was 371. And Miguel Cabrera's career, BABIP, is 347. Now, none of this means that they're going to be the next Mike Trout or Miguel Cabrera at the plate. I'm not making those comparisons. I'm just showing you. Those are really strong numbers. And these two guys could really help the Brewers' offense surprise some people around the league this year if they can stay healthy and continue to increase their contact rate. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, in 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be uh, your plan. But once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was, um, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in. Uh, trying to do too much now for the clubhouse conversation Hernan Perez is our guest just back from the WBC uh, what what an experience that was for you I'm sure you would have liked to have uh, seen team Venezuela go a little bit further but all in all that had to be tremendous to represent your country yeah that was that was fun that was amazing that was a great, great experience never never represented my country before and I, I think this was the great time to do it being with those players, all stars, playing against players that are all stars in this country, that's, that was amazing for me. It's kind of a little bit of a taste of what playoff atmosphere like baseball can be like. Um, it's certainly different, but but has a little different feel than what a regular season game has. Uh, what did you take from all of that? I think you, you have to play hard every day. Like Those games are very crazy. You have to win because if you don't win, you, are, you get out of the, the, the tournament. So... Every game was like championship game. You had to play that, like do or die. You had to die in that moment and do whatever you can do for to win. Once you were eliminated, you basically got in the car, drove straight back to Phoenix. You texted Council, said, "Hey, I want to be in the lineup tomorrow." And you come in Sunday and you hit a home run against the Giants. Uh, how important was it for you to get back into the swing of things here once the WBC ended for you? To me. It's- too much important because I didn't play too much in the in the tournament, so I want to get my beats. I want to get ready for the season and be here for for the team and help my team to win the most game we can win this, this year and do great. How many at bats do you feel like you need to feel like you're ready for the the, the regular season? I think I, I don't know how many at bats, but most pitchers I saw, most pitchers I see, I think it's gonna I want to get more ready quickly. So that's what I, tell, I I text council that I want to play to see more about. How different is it this year for you being in this clubhouse, knowing you're going to be on the squad? Um, you know, a year ago, obviously, that was not the case. Is it crazy how much can change in one year? Yeah, it's crazy. Last year I wasn't in the roster. I didn't make the team. So this year I get here a little bit more relaxed, but I have to still, still working hard. You know, you, you don't have to give up. You have to work harder to make the, to keep the team and, Got a, a good contract. Hernan Perez is our guest here on the podcast. You play almost every position. Uh, you haven't pitched, you haven't caught, but basically you've been everywhere else on the diamond at some point last year and, and probably will be again this year. How much work does that take to stay sharp at all the different spots, whether it be the different outfield spots with the angles off the bat um, or just the footwork from an infield standpoint? Oh, my! When I play infield, I do my 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 work in the infield with Subero, with whatever coach he, 
hit me ground balls. But when I play outfield, I just rip ball off the bat from the BP. So you have to work every day. When, when, when I'm playing outfield, I take my first round in the infield, then I go, I go to charge the fly ball. Do you take great pride in being such a versatile player? Yeah. And that's a big thing right now. It seems like that's a growing trend in baseball. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it is. I mean, everybody knows who I am already. Last year, they didn't know that. It's like Council told me early in the spring. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows who you can run, you can hit. So they're going to pay more attention to you. What have you noticed about this team, about the 2017 version of the Brewers that's different than last year, that gets you excited about the coming season? We have a lot of speed. We have great pitchers, and we have great power hitters. Aaron, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks to Aaron Perez for joining us on the Clubhouse Conversation. With the news of Jesus Aguilar making the team and knowing you're going to have a backup catcher as well and Kirk Neuenheis being on the team as the fourth outfielder, that essentially means Aaron Perez, who is one of the most versatile guys in the game, is going to have to be. He's going to be the backup at almost every spot uh, on the field outside of catcher and pitcher <laughs> uh, in 2017. Checking in on the farm. Well, it's been a productive camp on the minor league side, and some good news trickled out late last week when Corey Ray was cleared to begin participating in full. Ray may not be 100% ready at the start of the MILB season in terms of breaking with his club, which we expect will be the Carolina Mudcats in high A, but he should be ready shortly after that if he's not healthy right away. And I shouldn't say healthy, but if he's not ready right away. He'll stay in Phoenix, get some at-bats in extended spring training before heading out, if that ends up being the case. Uh, I've been personally, this spring, impressed with Trent Clark's play. Uh, when I've had the chance to watch him, he's really, really grabbed my attention. Uh, so much focus has been put on Lucas Ersig, Mauricio Dubon, and of course Lewis Brinson, Ryan Cordell, and Brett Phillips, and all for good reason. They've all shown a lot here this spring. However, Clark has really stood out to me. Another couple of injured prospects are also back in action. Monte Harrison was sidelined for a bit with an oblique issue, but he's returned to game action. And Jacob Nottingham is throwing from behind the plate again and can hopefully have a great 2017 that sees him potentially earn a promotion to AAA at some point in the year. And as placements start to trickle out, and the MILB season is just a little over a week away, I wanted to give our listeners a chance to hear from the Brewers' new minor league hitting coordinator. That's Kenny Graham. Comes over from the Blue Jays organization. He is well-respected and seems to be genuinely excited about his new opportunity with the crew. Kenny Graham is our guest here on Brewers on Tap, uh, the new minor league hitting instructor for the Brewers. And your first spring here with the crew, and we were just talking. This is an exciting time to be a part of this organization, especially doing what you're doing. Yeah, no question. You know, my first few days here... Uh, it's it's been nice, you know, uh, with the different players coming in waves with different programs that that uh, have been established here, and uh, you know the bodies, the 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 physical attributes that these players have, and you see them, you know, work and, and prepare, and you're thinking, my goodness, this, these are, this is the best group, and then a new wave comes in, and they, and then another wave, and it just keeps coming, it keeps coming that are you know big physical players, but that have athleticism and and have the the baseball aptitude to to really put it all together. It's been something that I've talked a lot about over the last year or so, and I want to get your take on it being somewhat new to the organization. You just mentioned it. It's not just, hey, there's a good group at this level. 
it seems like at every level right now it's almost backed up to where there's there's great depth in this system yeah no doubt and and that's that's what makes it so uh powerful really because there are so many guys they're they're constantly going to challenge each other and they do and and that's one thing that uh, i found you know coming over here with the brewers you know charlie green uh tom flanagan and eduardo uh, brazuela they all do a great job of, of challenging these guys and 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 making uh things exciting and 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 putting them uh, putting the players up against tough odds, and and you know that goes with the daily work day, uh, different throwing competitions, uh, hitting competitions, everything, and uh, and that's kind of the culture that's established over here, and and the players really they they really feed off of it, and and with the the abilities that they have and the competitive nature, uh, it's it's it is it's it's it's, it's ex- extremely uh, fun to watch. You come over from the Blue Jays, had a chance to work with some great prospects and some great hitters in that organization, obviously, what do you take from that experience that you can apply to these young guys over here yeah i you know it's i I've, I've been more than blessed to uh you know go through what i went through being a part of the uh, toronto blue jays organization you know historically it's it's been a, a very uh, offensive uh, organization they've come with some good hitters and uh you know a lot of those guys are still around there and are part of it um so you know getting to to learn from the coaches and staff that's over there along with uh you know the the players that are still around. You know the the Alomars, the Carlos Delgados. Uh, you know you know Hall of Famer Tim Raines. Uh, I mean, I, I, like I said, I was more than blessed to to be a part of that and, and really start to develop my own uh, ideas of of how things work and get the collective ideas of all of them to to really make you know my knowledge base and my database even stronger. So as you start to to dive in with these guys and you look at their swings and. And you look at their at-bats and you talk about approach and everything else. What are you looking for to help maximize these guys' approach to the plate and, and to find that perfect swing? Well, that's that's the whole deal. You know, being new, uh, you know, I've, I've got to earn every single guy here's trust before I can come in and, and tell them anything. So, um, you know, that's that's something that I've really worked hard to do since I've been here. And, and uh, you know, that's it. That's the fun thing but challenging thing about hitting is everybody is is different and that's that's kind of what I've really worked hard this this spring to do is is get to know each guy individually to to like you said to maximize what they do really well and it's and it's all different each guy is gonna gonna have different strengths and and that's 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 what I've spent most of spring just trying to identify those things would you say would would it be fair to say that you're kind of in a data collection period right now where you're trying to really soak everything in with these guys kind of earn the the equity so to speak so when you do talk it means a lot yeah no doubt but you know quite honestly I, I I always consider myself in that in that same category where I'm 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 constantly challenging myself to learn more learn more about the swing learn more about different kinds of approaches uh you know the game the information is constantly changing the analytics departments are really you know they're powerful and you know the information is 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 knowledge and and uh you know it's it really uh teaches us more to to think outside the box and and to uh, constantly learn and grow so Brewers hitting instructor Kenny Graham is our guest here on the podcast some some really special young guys in this system and we've talked generically about the depth of this system but let's just go through a couple guys Lucas Ursig has gotten a lot of attention this spring 
has a very good swing, seems like just a natural hitter. What have, what have you seen in the little time you've been able to spend with him? Yeah, Lucas, he's he's a special hitter, and, and for his age, his experience, uh, he's he's got that innate ability to stay in the moment. You know, he, he doesn't get shaken by much, and, you know, he's gone across the street, and, uh, you know, he's he's hit some home runs because he's, he's unfazed. He's, he's, he's relentless in his belief in his abilities, and... Um, you know he's he's constantly learning. He's constantly ask, asking good questions, and uh, he 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 knows who he is, but he knows he doesn't have all the answers too. So he's uh, he's one that's going to be very special and fun to watch. Isan Diaz has had back-to-back big years uh, two years ago in the Diamondbacks organization, and last year his first year in the Brewers organization. Kind of an uppercut swing, has good power, even though he's a middle infielder. Uh, how does that translate as he continues to move forward? Well, that's the thing, you know, those those especially young hitters that can really command the opposite field, you know, that's that's something that's very tough to teach, and, and he does it now, and he does it with some authority, and so he's 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 a guy that, uh, yeah, he, he it's, it's just a matter of, you know, constantly fine-tuning his approach because of uh, making adjustments from level to level, level to level, and uh, you know he did that. He didn't get off to a super hot start last year, but made the adjustment, and and uh, you know that's going to be a constant theme for for him and all of our guys, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, the things he can do with the with the with the bat, you know, he's got that slow, easy, controlled, controlled, violent swing. You know that uh, he maximizes his his body. You look through guys' numbers, and, and Diaz is one of these guys. Dubon, to some degree, is one of these guys. Ryan Cordell is another one of these guys that it seems like they do a good job of after they've made that adjustment, they really take off. Uh, each time they move up a level, there might be a little adjustment period, but then they get going. What does that tell you about somebody cerebrally and just from a maturity standpoint? Well, it tells me they're learners. You know, the, the world's not really separated into success and the failures. There's there's people that learn, and there's people that, that are non-learners, and, and those guys are learners. They watch the game. They pay attention to what they do. They, their work is important to them. Their preparation is is uh, is focused. It's detailed, and, uh, you know, that's that's why. I mean, you know, it's, it, those, those guys that dominate every level are very few and far and in between, you know. So, uh, you know, the, the, the guys you listed, they, they do. They, they pay attention to what's happening, and they make the appropriate adjustments. One of the cool things about your job is that you're going to be in communication with the front office and with the big league staff and then communicating that on down through the minor league staffs. So that's that's a big communication part of your job. I'm sure that's something that you've learned over time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there, there is a lot of communication. And, uh, you know, being new over here, that's that's something that jumped out right at the beginning. From, from top down, from David, uh, you know, to Matt and, and Carl and, you know, those guys, it, they're, they're always around here, you know, with Tom and Eduardo and, and Charlie Green. You know the communication is tremendous, and, and uh, they, they, everybody's a part of it here, and that's what what's going to make this so special with the with the players, the staff, the front office, um, Darnell Coles, uh, Jason Lane. You know, there's there's uh, everyone's in this together. Uh, everyone's it's 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 very family oriented, and uh, and and it feels that way. It's it's not a fal- false bravado. You know, it's 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 very real. Well, Kenny, welcome to the Brewers, and uh, looking forward to seeing, seeing you over the course of the summer. Thank you. I appreciate it, Lane. Thanks to Kenny Grand for giving us some time on Brewers on Tap this week. All right, let's see what is coming up. Here's what's on tap. Well, the stage is set for opening week at Miller Park. The Brewers kick off the season four-game tilt against Nolan Arenado and the Colorado Rockies Monday, April 3rd through Thursday, April 6th. A couple of highlights for the series. Monday is, of course, opening day. That's a 1-10 start. Tuesday, 
We're at 6.40 p.m. Wednesday at 7.10. And then Thursday's a day game at 12.40 p.m. Getaway day for the Rockies. Kids and seniors discount day. Kids 14 and under and seniors 60 plus save 50% on tickets for that Thursday game on April the 6th. And before we say goodbye, make sure you swing by the exhibition series on Friday and Saturday against the White Sox at Miller Park. You're going to want to check out the new concessions and bar areas. I had the chance on Tuesday to peruse the concourse, and all I can say is that it will not disappoint. Beer selection, food selection, cool atmosphere. You'll need to see it to truly appreciate it. If there's something you're hungry for, chances are you're going to find it at Miller Park in 2017. That's going to do it for us. When we talk next, regular season games will have begun. The championship season is just around the corner. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Lane Grindle. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.